You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card is a political commentary show co-hosted by Scott Dworkin and Grant Stern. We're here to discuss American politics, international affairs, things that affect you, me, and everybody all at the same time. Let me tell you, this is going to be a fantastic show. We're here to grade the news, and you're here to tell us what we are grading. You're listening to The Report Card. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. And I'm Scott Dworkin. How you doing, Grant? I am great tonight. This is our first evening podcast recording on Colin. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that, obviously, Amanda asks a question as she has the last two episodes, just FYI. Yes, and I see April is here to ask some questions as well, so we're going to get to it pretty quickly. Let's start with the rundown. We made a list of topics that we're going to go over. It's 60 minutes, and there's so much in the news. So, uh, Scott, you want to you just start giving our, our listeners the rundown here? Sure. Uh, so we have uh, tonight. We have uh, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert. Uh, we're going to talk about the loss and gain of Twitter followers online. We're going to talk about Elon Musk and his loss to the SEC. We all, we also have Mark Meadows texts McCarthy tapes about Trump resigning and GOP rhetoric endangering uh, other members of Congress. And we'll also talk about Russia shutting down gas to Poland and Ukraine war over there. Uh, and our favorite person. One of my best friends in the entire world, Marjorie Taylor Greene and her testimony and how she lied under oath. We'll also play some exclusive video that we had uncovered through the Democratic Coalition. Uh, I guess it was before uh, one of it was the end of December in 2020 in front of the White House. The other one right, was, it was like New Year's Eve or something, right? Yeah, it, it was a, it actually it was a it may have been the 28th, 20th, 28th. Yeah, yeah, yeah 20, 28th. Um, and so that was a, that she was standing in front of the White House outside the Oval. It was just so grotesque. And then there's another one on January 5th in front of the Capitol where she talks about how we have to fight tomorrow because Trump won by landslide. And so it was uh, very interesting, to say the least. But uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have people like you that help with that investigation to uncover those because nobody else in the world found them. Um, they tried to hide them, and we found them. So – very proud of that. So starting off with uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, obviously she she had uh, been involved in the quote-unquote beginning stages of White House January 6th planning and ex-aide says. So what sayeth you about Lauren Boebert, Grant? Boy, uh, where do you begin? I mean, first of all, like she just tweeted that the, the old – like ignorant tripe, uh, trope, excuse me, <laughs> trope, tripe. There's a lot of, tri- yeah, there's a lot of tripe coming out of this. Uh, it's okay. It's a live show. It's not any, it, they're tripe forever. Oh, for yeah, real. Uh, but the ignorant trope that America is not a democracy. It's a constitutional Republic. <gasps> Why? Why? <laughs> Has it's she ever good... read the constitution once? No. No, absolutely not. There's no way. And and I, I don't want to rag on somebody for having, you know, issues in regards to learning and reading and things like that. And so I'll just say that, you know, Lauren Boebert, Boebert and her husband are, you know, not good human beings. And they should, they should have no role in our government, let alone in public life. Um, just a lot of grotesque things. And I'm not going to even talk about what her husband was up to back in the day and what he got arrested for. But we'll just say it was in public and it was involving grotesque things. So um, so what what grade do you give Lauren Boebert? Uh, I mean, L for loser, because I, I don't I don't like exactly, you know, the, there's a lot of things coming out and she's going to be one of the people I think that goes down for January 6th because they thought they were going to go away for way with it. And uh you know, if you thought you were going to get away with it, you were sitting there indiscriminately texting via your personal phone and your congressional phone. And the funny thing is they have all the phone records, everything. They have everything. They you have that little protest. Remember when McCarthy and everybody made a stink? This is why, because they have proof that they were behind the planning. And then they also tried to tone it down. And they also tried to cover it up. And, and this is all going to be made public, not just now, but uh, forever. 
And keep in mind that uh, they're going to be having public hearings on television in prime time. Uh, they know what they're doing on the January 6th committee. Remember, I don't know if you remember, do you remember when they were, we were accepting the fact that there was a bipartisan January 6th committee and then they, it, Kevin McCarthy threw that idea out? I bet they're regretting that now. I bet that they're regretting that now. I remember when Speaker Pelosi decided to do the select committee, which you and I publicly, you know, sent out every kind of message to everybody in the world about making sure that we did that. Uh, I never thought that it would get this far. I never thought that they, they'd be able to uncover all they did. And, and I think they're going to go further than anybody expects. What do you think? What do you think about Bobert? Uh, you know, are you asking me to give her a grade? I am asking you to give her a grade, but then I also want you to talk about, you know, our experience with the committee and why they didn't form the bipartisan commission. Well, I mean, they didn't form the bipartisan commission because it's a cover up. Do I really need to say more? No. <laughs> um, and by the way, we're going to take some calls pretty soon here, like we promised. So uh, I, I would say that Lauren Boebert's grade is a, a, a T for treason. <laughs> because, I mean, she's just not I, – I, I don't think she's very smart, honestly. I just think she's someone who just doesn't know stuff, not studied. Um, she's just kind of going by her gut. And even somebody who's going by their gut should know that that this is this is not right, what they were trying to do. Oh, we could just get the vice president to overturn the election result? Who does that? I mean, you know, you, you can't say, oh, well, I just didn't know better. I got elected to Congress. That's the time when you should probably know the most, you know, and, and a lot of people interpreted the things that she did during the insurrection as aiding and abetting it. Whether there's uh, evidence of that, we don't know whether it's, you know, true that that's enough. But the, the fact of the matter is you, you can claim as much naivete as you want, but when you planned to overturn an election, you know what you're doing. Uh, by the way, everybody who's listening, please, if you have a question, call in. We're we're looking for your call-ins. We want to have some fun answering your questions, talking about your topics tonight. This is definitely the time to do it. Uh, we've got a caller. Please introduce yourselves to the report card and give us your uh, city, state, and what's your question. You want us to grade something? You have a comment? Speak up. Unmute yourself. Hey, April. Wonderful. How are you? Hi. Um, nice to talk to you all in person. This is April Mitchell, April in Texas. Hey, what's um, up, April Mitchell? How are you? I'm good. You two were the first two people I think I followed on Twitter because I swore Trump was in cahoots with the Kremlin. And everybody told me I was crazy on Facebook. So I went over to Twitter and y'all were saying the same thing. I'm like, oh, I like these guys. They know what they're talking about. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. We, we were the same dilemma where Grant was the first reporter to, to really bring that up. I think it was in uh, right after the election where he reported on my report on Trump's Russian ties. So we appreciate you paying attention and sticking with it. Obviously, it took a very long time for everything to match up, and now, you know, he's still it's, not it's, punished for it. I swear exactly. to God, it was conspiracy to defraud the United States. It is now; it's still ongoing. The Republicans shocked me at first because I always thought Trump isn't going to get away with this because we have a Congress. But the way the Republicans have bowed down to Trump has blown my mind. Yeah, I beyond mean, belief. It, it really it's been shocking to me, and and I. Keep in mind, people always say, "Are you shocked by the? How are you shocked by this, Scott? What do? What exactly are you shocked?" I never want it to be normalized, so I always am shocked by everything that they do because I want to be shocked because it's all disgusting. It's all like, you know, I I remember when Grant, do you remember when we used the word treason and everybody had a a whole you know meltdown about, oh my God, how how can you use the word treason on international television? Like, what are you guys doing? Blah blah blah. And it's like, well, this is the definition of treason. So uh, yeah. I appreciate your comments there, April. So, like, I, actually, you know, you're making me think about something that Scott and I, I think the last time we looked at it was like 2018 or something. 
um, it, it, you know, it was right before we met in person, uh, like for the first time. And, and we were looking, I was looking through our DMS and I realized that we came up with the hashtag Trump Russia yep. right. via DM. Right. <laughs> That's true. I though. That. Yeah. So I mean, no, nobody, we created okay. it. What do y'all like, think about Garland? Cause Scott, give, give yeah. Merrick Garland a grade. So that's a great one, uh, April. How, how should I spin this around and not give an answer? No, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, obviously there's been a lot of things that are disappointing. I am uh, very patient just because I know the people, some of the people that are involved with it. I, I give it a C because of the, the, the speed that it's moving at um, in regards to the January 6th investigation. Um, there are other things that I think, you know, obviously when somebody refers a criminal prosecution from Congress for obstructing Congress from their investigation into the attack on the Capitol, they should be arrested and there should not be a a long delay with that. Now, the only reason that, yeah, yeah. Like Mark (laughs) Meadows, exactly. And it's like, is he going to get arrested for something, you know, for having, uh, registering in two places for his uh, voter registration illegally? Like, is he going to get arrested for something? So my guess would be that they're looking for some kind of conspiracy and grants more, you know, lyric in regards to uh, legalese. So I, I, I think that it's, you know, uh, I think we have a long road ahead of us, but I think a lot of indictments are going to start coming down in the, in the, I I guess in the next few months. So what grade are you giving him then? I give him a C. Yeah, I ah, give him a C. Okay. Yeah, and it's not it's I not personal. <laughs> yeah, I I under, I totally understand why you give him an F. Uh, it's uh it, it makes sense, you know. I I I guess I was used to you know Bill Barr, Matt Whitaker, uh, Jeff Sessions, and I got used to them. But uh, you know, I loved eric holder back in the day he he did a great job uh, uh with a lot of things but uh yeah i mean i i just wish that, that things move swiftly and they don't um and it just, oh, it's super that. frustrating right yeah. but the garland defenders online like um Mueller, she wrote for example right. she blocked me because i've had it with garland i think biden should um fire him same way with ray so wait a second, April. Um, yeah. We, we don't have a sound effect for this, but I have to do this. Dum dum dum. When you said, <laughs> "Mueller, she wrote blocked you." Go go ahead, continue. Uh, yeah, because I I don't want to hear anybody defending him. I've lost faith. I mean, you guys, I've been sick. I haven't felt well, so I haven't been like putting a lot of my personal opinions out on Twitter like I was. So I've been doing more retweeting, but. I've just, I get so frustrated. I've turned off MSNBC. I've turned off the news. I just can't handle it anymore. And I'm just like waiting for the day that somebody's going to be held responsible. The FBI saying they didn't see the insurrection coming. Are you kidding me? We all saw it. I saw it from Texas. (laughs) Oh, you're in Texas. Yeah. I I saw your handle here. So, so you're dealing with, uh, we have Grant, who's based in Miami, he has the DeSantis as governor, and you have the other terrible governor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and What's we got like? Galveston, my county, that just approved like $350,000 for drones for the border because our local judge here is total MAGA, even on his Twitter page. It's insane. That is insane. Yeah. So, yeah. No, we... <laughs> well, I mean... Have you seen any effects personally from the whole border slowdown? I know that it's really spread out through the whole country, but have you noticed anything from what uh, Governor Abbott has done? No, and I didn't notice anything before or after. I mean, we don't have a problem. There's (laughs) no problem. It's made up. It's delusion. Like when Ted Cruz and them got on, did their little airboat ride. I mean, it's all fake stuff. It's all to build their propaganda script. And it's like, that's what the Republicans live for. They're a criminal organization. And the only thing they care about is what they're going to do to prop up their propaganda script. And God forbid any of their members go off script 
or talk about their cocaine fueled orgies and they're out. That's true. <laughs> and let's not let's not let, like Grant. Get You're away getting with ahead of not... us uh, here. We <laughs> have all that on the script here, so I promise you we'll get to all of that. But I have a I have a question for you, April. Um, okay. Do you think that we can just send Ted Cruz to the border and keep him there? You know, like so he could just. He could watch out for problems, and that would well, be it would take another freeze, I guess, to get him to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going because my daughters wanted to go. My daughters wanted to go, and you know that's why I went. What are you talking about, dude? People are freezing to death. Stay in your state. Fight the good fight. You know, at least stay at yeah. home. And and then he left the dog. Remember yeah. That? Oh, that that poor little puppy at the door. Snowflake. <laughs> Yeah, of course, Snowflake. Snowflake. And of course the dog's name Snowflake. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Grant, what I mean, do you what do you grade Mr. Garland? I didn't pay attention to politics till I got on till Trump started getting elected. So I started right. getting attacked on Facebook. Like I could have done a whole coffee table photo album of all these people responding to me on Facebook cuz like I had 250 groups I admin. I was selling baby clothes. So I was had this page and I kept seeing all these trolls get online and I'm like, Oh my God, this is digital war. What the hell is going on here? And I'm like, these people were going crazy. I'm like telling me Hillary was drinking blood and I'm just <laughs> children's blood and just the craziest stuff. And so I would save these screenshots of all these memes and things that people were saying going, Oh my God, everybody's going crazy. And so the psychological warfare going on, through our digital apps, through Facebook, which I believe is the warship, but now we got Elon Musk wanting to buy Twitter. Oh my God. What, what do we get? We got to figure out a way to get the Democrats to repeat things like the Republicans and they're going to have to fight fire with fire. You know what, April, I have an op-ed coming out in Newsweek that's talking about just that in the next 24 hours. So keep posted on that, but it, it is... It, it is the messaging that we need to drive home. Yeah. Um, oh, can I read the final draft of that, clearly. Scott? It's done. Oh, he's going to rip that to shreds. I don't know if I want to <laughs> give him the final draft. <laughs> There's no final draft yet. No, he, he gave me the do, layout. <laughs> he helped me in regards to uh, the different bullet points as to well, what we need to focus on. Psychological warfare in the digital age, in my opinion, is the most dangerous, most effective war weapon of our age. I mean, we've never had propaganda like we see today. I mean, look at Russia. They don't even believe their own family members in Ukraine. It's dangerous. My whole yeah. family, my parents haven't talked to me since the uh, the Mueller report came out, for example. I have a sister up in Montana. We, <laughs> that my family's poison. I have one grown son that's in his 30s. He hasn't talked to me in like three years because of Trump. No, it's... it's uh... I can't get any well, of my grown you're, you're kids to alone. get vaccinated. That's. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 You're not alone. I mean, my one of my best friends here, uh, where I live, uh, refused to get vaccinated uh, for, you know, well over a year, until his family just said, "Do it or else." They threatened real consequences, and he finally I... broke down and got it. And, you know, uh, it it. it, it Boggled the mind, honestly, yes. uh, right when the pandemic started, I'll never forget. I called Scott and I said, you know, Scott, uh, this could get Trump reelected because he's a germaphobe <laughs> and maybe he'll do everything he can to fight this terrible disease. Well, Boy, was that well, a bad hot take? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wondered about that, too. <laughs> but, That's like you know, when we were when we were fighting with uh, Trump in the White House. I remember when we were fighting over the first death of coronavirus, and I was very careful how I stated that. I said the first American has died of of COVID, and then they said this liar, blah 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 blah. No, no American died. He, it's off the coast. It's off the coast in the cruise ship. And I said the first American has died of COVID. I didn't say where they died because right. they're a little <laughs> trick of keeping it in, in international waters. Like those were the Trump tricks we had to deal with, um, and it just was just was insane. So, April, you know, we I really appreciate your question. We've got a – this episode's called Spill Out, and it's called Spill Out for a reason. The reason is, is that obviously we're theming everything with school, right? Uh, you know, the first episode was matriculation. It's the report card, right? But uh, Spill Out is because we're going to talk about what happened on Twitter. Scott, 
Did you notice that a couple of people left Twitter this week? Uh, yeah, quite quite a few, and then uh, we had some new new folks join and rejoin. Um, I did uh, I did see a lot of that. Um, now, I, what I'm tracking now is this uh, crazy amount of right wingers that are getting getting followers of the hundreds of thousands, and uh, also their numbers blimping up. It just reminds me of the the Trump era and on Twitter. So, you know, we're we're, we're investigating that right now. I I. You know, I think that there is some truth to it being Elon, right-wingers coming back on, and a lot of people on the left leaving. I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I don't think it's all that. Um, but, you know, there's always funny business, you know? So what grade do you give to Charles M. Blow, the New York Times opinion columnist, for quitting on Twitter very publicly uh, right away, immediately? Love Charles uh, and a lot of things he does. I give him F minus for that. We cannot leave these platforms. We can't abandon them. They will exist no matter what. They will be there. Um, we need to be there to fight the good fight in a you know peaceful manner. Obviously, uh, we want to be clear about that. But it's it's just it's our it's a place where we've dominated now uh, for a while. And and yes, there's the possibility of Trump coming back if he comes back on the platform, we'll get him kicked off again. But we're not leaving. We're not going to be bullied out. And we're definitely, the deal's not even gone through. We have the midterms. We will lose the midterms if we don't use Twitter. We will lose the midterms. We will lose the House and the Senate. We will have a lame duck president, okay, who will probably lose in 2024. So the implications are vast, you know. Let me say this. One of the things that precipitated uh, you know, Trump's loss in the election last year is that a lot of people on the right dropped out of Twitter. Like right. they just discouraged people into dropping out of Twitter. Right. And some of their major voices ruined their Twitter followings by encouraging people to drop out, joining other networks, um, and then saying, whoops, not so great. I mean, we're not advocating anybody leave right right and just to just as a part of the report republican and democratic lawmakers have respectively gained and lost thousands of twitter followers after elon musk purchased the social media giant twitter for around 44 billion dollars just some pocket change for him you know um it's been really hard hitting and now the report today this afternoon okay was is he going to opt out for a billion dollars? Is he going to opt out of the Twitter deal for a billion dollars? And so I, I'm just like, is he just doing this to to mess with Twitter because he was pissed off that some teenage kid was tracking his plane flights? Like, what, and I know Tesla people are pissed off because their their stock's tanking as well. So I'm not sure exactly what his plan is here, but I think he's spreading too, himself too thin, and I don't think that he's going to be able to handle this. Not both. Right, and that's why the his you know the stock uh, dropped. I mean, that's why the Tesla stock dropped because, you know, well, can yeah, one obviously. person really do all those things and then take on one of the thorniest problems on the entire internet? Right, you don't want to. <laughs> Twitter will turn on you so quickly, um, you know, because it'll take. Today he tweeted about how. You you need to equally piss off the right and the left. Uh, it needs to be an unbiased service on Twitter. But we're we're not talking about stifling anyone's free speech. We're talking about people not being allowed to scream fire in a crowded movie theater. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about people not being allowed to incite violence. We're talking about you know Republicans not being allowed to promote pedophilia. Like that's a real thing. That's a real thing that we've had to face. We're, we're not, we we don't want Nazis on the platform. Like that that's a different kind of quote unquote free speech. There are limits to free speech. And you and I will will debate this to the council. Well, I mean, home. forgetting the, the limits to free speech, private property has a lot more limits There's... to free speech. So a private property owner is allowed to say, Not on my land. Like you you can't use my private message board to spread your Nazi hate. Right. Um that's not free speech at all. Like there's right. no free speech. The free speech belongs to the business owner, not to the person speaking in the business. Um, right. So it's like, hey, you know, everybody has these rights and some rights are 
more superior than others. When you have a property right, you have some extra free speech rights that the non-property owner doesn't have. Um, it's just like that. And uh, nobody wants to see that turned into like this system of oppression. But uh, let's just say, you know, there are limits to useful speech in a commercial setting. And certainly Nazi uh, propaganda is not really a useful thing on social networks unless you're just looking for more Nazis, which I personally think is probably a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's some other news that uh, you guys may be shocked to learn, and this is some really ironic stuff. Um, I assigned this story to the Occupy Democrats crew, and they did it. And the title, I'm just going to read the title because this, uh, this is my title. And boy, I mean, the irony just drips off the title. Irony. New Twitter owner Elon Musk just lost to the SEC in court trying to end monitor overseeing his tweets. Did you know that, Scott? Did you know yeah, that Elon line. Musk like has, you know, he has to submit his tweets that might move the market to a monitor? Yeah, and he also, you know, it's basically all of his tweets because anything involving the company or anything that alludes to the company in any way um, same thing happened with Dogecoin because his company had invested into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So he had to get everything cleared, which is like a babysitter. Um, and, and so I think that's <laughs> I think that's a smart move uh, on on Tesla's part, and also you know SDC upholding it. Um, you know he's not above the law, but at the same time, it seems like. You know, he can do whatever he wants if he's the richest man in the world. Well, is, I'm, I'm not sure if Putin or him is richer, but, uh, you know, they're in they're obviously in a uh, close heated race right now. Uh, but this is it is really interesting that I, I would be concerned if I were Twitter because, um, you know, he's going to he obviously has been using the Twitter to move Twitter's stock prices as well. Um, while it, the, the sales actually coming up. And this is something that Trump did. He would attack companies, right, uh, publicly while president, and then he would invest into them when the stock tanked. And then he'd talk good about them. And, and, oh, I just met with them at the White House, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, Abbott or whatever, he'd attack them, and then all of a sudden their stock would go down, he'd invest in that, and that report wouldn't come out for six months, and then he'd say something stupid and people would forget it ever happened. And while they were doing that, you know, he's robbing us blind. Jared and Ivanka are making hundreds of millions of dollars while working the White House. Oh, but they weren't working the White House because they were donating their salary, so they weren't actually getting paid. And I'm like, well, if they were donating their salary, that means that they got a salary to donate, which means they were working there. And it's like everything has a catch to it, everything, you know, on the back end and whatnot. So in regards to Elon, what do you uh, – what's your grade for Elon? Elon Musk, just overall, and his loss to the SEC. Uh, you know, this is a tough grade because the trolling level is like 1,000, right? Epic. Here he is uh, going into this court hearing. He knows this court hearing is coming up, and he's trying to break a plea deal. This is the most difficult burden there is in the law, trying to undo a contract. Right. And and here he is bragging about free speech, free speech. And the judge came back and ruled exactly how I thought this would go, which is to say that you've got the right to free speech, which means you've got the right to contract away your right to free speech. Right. Which is what he did. And I just I have to give it a D for being dumb. He he's the one that entered into that agreement. He wanted to avoid future, uh, you know, larger punishments because assessed a much larger punishment against him uh, for what he did, which was, uh, you know, he he basically moved the market with Tesla by saying that he had, you know, financing secured. To take Tesla private at $420 a share. Now, that was a very obvious statement that's going to move the market. I mean, there's just not like some question. If you're trading the market, you're like, well, I'm the CEO and I'm talking about the stock price being higher 
Come on. <laughs> so I give it a D for dumb. I mean, it was dumb then. And trying to undo it is even dumber. And it's just like, why all the egg on your face? Like, you knew this was coming, right? So you want to conduct this business deal this week? Right. I don't know, man. He's such a brilliant guy. Uh, I think that he could be investing his time into other things. Like uh, saving, you know, humanity. or uh, Going to feeding, Mars. Feeding the world. <laughs> like, hey, Remember he made that $6 billion bet uh, with the UN uh, food program? And he said, if you can present to me, you know, how we can save the world in regards to uh, food storage and, and things like that, then uh, I'll I'll pay for it. And then they presented him with a report, and he never did anything with and it. And then he never did it, right. So moving on, because we've got a couple more categories and not much time. Uh, Mark Meadows, one of our best friends as well, uh, 2,319 text messages revealed Trump's inner circle communications before and after January 6th. Uh, and CNN had obtained these 2,319 text messages that former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows sent and received between Election Day and the Inauguration Day. Uh, I guess they, they're saying that this is a trove of texts that include uh, people like Ivanka, Jared Kushner, Don Jr., and White House officials, cabinet members, Republican Party leaders, January 6th rally organizers, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Lindell, Sean Hannity, uh, Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, we're just talking about everybody under the sun, uh, people who, you know, are saying on on that day, Mark, I was just told there's an active shooter on the first floor of the Capitol. Please tell the president to calm people. This isn't the way to solve anything, Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote. Obviously, that's a cover for freaking she knew that all hell broke loose. Then, Mark, he needs to stop this now. Can I do anything to help Mick Mulvaney? Like these, these people knew shit was going down and they were like. I need to get myself out of it. Uh, it, it just it's baffling to me. Uh, now, with Mark Meadows, obviously he's in, in a, a deep crap right now. Um, he has a lot of conspiracy theories and heated rhetoric that he spread. Uh, so so with Mark Meadows and everything that's presented right now, what would you grade him uh, in regards to – well, obviously he lied about everything. Uh, what would you grade – his uh, his lies to be and where he's at now. So you know, I, I gotta grade him a K because he's one chatty Kathy. Oh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like you know, he he was the head of the Tea Party. Um, this guy was like the ultimate insider. Um, it made a lot of sense for Trump to to make him the the chief of staff. He probably should have done it at the beginning, but uh, gosh, man, like. Like everybody, everybody knew that this is horrible. And as soon as it was done in unison, they turned around and blamed anybody but Donald J. Trump, the person who incited the insurrection. They all knew he did it. Right. I mean, right. And it's it's written down. In, right. In and my stone biggest forever. question here is why is it that our mainstream media outlets still give these people any credibility, benefit of the doubt? Or anything else? What after this? I mean, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for them to kill you so that your news outlet can report that you were you were killed? Uh, and and certainly, whoever did it had a good motive. Perhaps they weren't a fascist. I, I don't get it. They try and say that it's both sides, but that's not both sides. That's terrorists, domestic terrorists. I've and, never and seen both sides Democrats, be Republican Democrat. That's not look, both I've sides. They're not Republicans. Incite terrorism. I've never right. seen that, okay? If you've seen it, let me know. Antifa and buck buck. Like, I, I, that's what they would be yelling right now. And they'd be saying Antifa. Like, I I was talking to somebody about Antifa the other day and how um, it's not an organized national coalition of sorts. And the, the that Antifa would be defined sort of as the resistance is what they're, they're talking no, about. No, Antifa is an idea. It's literally just an idea. Like, you can't kill it. It doesn't have a headquarters. There's no phone book. It's just an idea. Well, that's the brilliance of attacking it. Because it, the the original members of Antifa were what? In World War II? The, yeah, the we military? called them the army. 
Yeah, yeah. So they, 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 it is this blob of, of stuff, and there are obviously Antifa groups, especially in the Pacific Northwest and D.C., um, but it, it's it's tough to actually encapsulate like that boogeyman. So, so they're attacking something that doesn't have a clear um, leader and clear leadership, clear financial backing, and so they're just attacking. So, so they can't defend themselves, right? And so, it's and, just, and by it's, the way, uh, for everybody listening, if you want to call in, this is your chance. We're going to take another call in just a minute here. So, uh, hop in the queue if you're ready to call in. All right. Um, but yeah, like you said, Scott, it's it's just it's an idea. It's an idea. Um, I, I want to move on uh, because, you know, we've got so much uh, to cover and so little time and we're going to take a caller in just a minute. I'm sure somebody's going to want to call in and ask a question. But uh, I wanted to talk about these McCarthy tapes. They're pretty freaking wild. Um, you know, has anybody here not heard these things? Because I haven't listened to every single one in full completely. We got a couple of minutes and I did want to play this clip, which was exclusively released on the Rachel Maddow show uh, uh, last week. And this was uh, the the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney on January 10th uh, discussing things during a caucus meeting four days after the insurrection. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um I guess there's a question. When when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if you know what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is is there any chance? Are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? I've had some few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously. Now, let me just break in here and say, finding out that Kevin McCarthy has a gut or a spine or really any substance at all besides self-interest, uh, at least that he thinks that, is kind of shocking. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My, this, this is what I think. Um, no one will pass the House. I think there's a chance he'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about Pence pardoning. I got. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it. But I don't know. So there you have it. I mean. You know, the, the, the highest-ranking Republican elected official in America thought that the ex-president in his own party should resign after the January 6th insurrection. No, Grant, he denied it. He denied it and said, oh, no, they're he didn't trying think to that. twist my words. They're trying to twist my words, these reporters, these New York Times, New Yorkers, jibber-jabber, blah, blah, liberal, blah, blah, CRT, you know, we're going to do everything. Like, it's just, just the same nonsense and then he gets called out about it and he acts i have pearls and i'm clutching i'm clutching them hard and it's just it's just so disgusting let me remind everybody that you know grant may be a little bit biased uh because he was t t t dragged out of a mccarthy press conference for asking him um about the the uh, january uh, 6th commission uh, i'm not biased i just know what the facts are that's my sarcasm so sarcasm alert that is at a 10, um, just to be clear. He, he was very, very nice and quaint, and that question was very, very clear and sane. Anyways, go ahead. So I, I want to take the next caller here, Kristen Boyd. Kristen, can you unmute yourself and tell us where you're from and ask us what you want us to grade in the news or make your comment or ask any question you want? Go right ahead, Kristen. Uh, could you repeat that? I'm sorry. I was trying to figure out how to unmute my phone. <laughs> oh, just uh, introduce yourself with your, your uh, city, your name, 
and uh, go think. ahead and ask us to grade the news or if you got a question or comment. This is I do. Okay. Yeah. My name is Kristen Boyd Meter and I'm from Beaufort, South Carolina. And I'm calling in because, you know, with all this stuff about Elon Musk buying Twitter, I've had some, I had a comment about that and I had a question, you know, that I wanted to ask you. Sure. Um, um, you know, the thing is, I feel like Elon Musk bought Twitter very much like Bill Gates bought LinkedIn and, and very much like Vanguard and Fidelity have controlling interest in Facebook because they want to censor us. Um, and, and as you probably know, the First Amendment only protects us from government censorship and not social media censorship. And, you know, one of the reasons for this is, you know, Elon Musk, I mean, even though he's, the, you know, supposedly the richest man in the world, um, you know, I feel like he has a real insatiable kind of sick hunger for power. And, um, and, and, I, and I'll tell you why, you know, you might have been following this, but about 18 months ago, Elon Musk started talking about something called BCI neural implants that he wants to implant in innocent human beings and have them uh, hook up and connect with his Neuralink satellites. And um, up until a couple of years ago, we didn't hear the first thing about anything with, you know, regarding BCI and neural implants. But he had a symposium about 18 months ago and telling everybody how wonderful it would be for people to have these invasive, life-threatening brain implants. But what Elon did was he brought out um, three pigs onto the stage to, to show the remote mind control of these devices. And I feel like it's not enough for him to have remote control cars and, you know, it, comparing to human beings was certainly very degrading and, and, and insulting. And, um, and, 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 you know, for him to actually admit and demonstrate with swine that these devices are very capable of remote mind control. And, um, Joe Biden a couple months ago confirmed this as he admonished, admonished China for these very same devices, called them crimes against humanity, threats to our national security. But Elon Musk has FDA approval already to start implanting innocent human beings with these devices this year. And my question is, you know, how do y'all feel about that? Have, have y'all looked into that at all or do you know what I'm talking about? So I know what you're talking about. Um, I don't think I've done any sort of real deep dive, but I can tell you this, you know, the, the kind of chips that you're talking about. Um, there's a lot of scientific research to use them to help people that have neurogenerative diseases, uh, blindness paralysis um you know like th that's really there's a medical use to this um right. as for elon musk seeking power i think that's a whole other question and i think it's very valid and right there on the table uh with the behavior that we've seen over the ca the last few weeks um, right. but we just don't know whether all of this is really just uh you know a, a very shrewd uh, pr smokescreen to get what he wanted which is to try and acquire twitter um, for kind of a bargain price, because uh, the, the shares of Twitter were actually at $70 a share last year. So 54 right. is a pretty steep discount to that. Um, you know, all I can say is, you know, don't judge him until we actually see what happens. Once we see what happens, then it's pretty easy to judge him. And really, there's there's nothing we could do either way if he does close on a deal to buy Twitter. Um, right. We can't go in there and stop it. You know, we don't have a tool or a lever that's going to make us say, well, this is this is going to go away. So, uh, you know, at this point, what we really have to do is just kind of like keep a very close eye on it. But I mean, I'll tell you, there are people uh, looking for alternative platforms right now. Um, I actually know a, a social media app developer who's developing a new platform and they're in the late stages of launch. And he's in agony agony because they're launching his final product and it's been under this intense long review uh from the apple store and it's still not out yet and i've seen the the beta and it's amazing it's an amazing yeah. social app and i have no doubt that people would fly over there and maybe maybe uh, if he's lucky he'll get a half a million or a million people on there really fast enough to get some traction and create a new community Right. right, right, right. But you know, I said, trash what you got. And there's a saying that uh, a friend of mine once said, uh, uh, told me, uh, uh, you know, she's from Texas. And she said that her mom told her, never burn your own house down. 
Right. That's where yeah, we're Yeah, that's at. true. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. The thing is, you know, without, with these BCI neural implants, there's absolutely nothing about them that's redeeming enough for anybody to actually surgically implant them. And the fact that, that every redeeming quality can be duplicated with an external, external removable device. Well, uh, I, know, hold on a second. Hold your on. Inter- so, interface. I mean, we're, I can't get into a scientific debate on the podcast because right, it's right. just too deep, right? Right. I mean, but you I will know, say it's a, it's an important subject, Kristen. And yeah, I, and and it is just to anybody listening. This is a very very real thing. This is a yeah. very very real thing from Elon Musk called Neuralink, and what it is is a brain implant that will link the human brain directly to computers. And so right. this this is all about the idea originally came about from helping paraplegics regain their independence, thinking and moving that muscle uh, via computers. Um, but the idea is to not only cure brain disorders through this, but also be able to order pizza by thinking about it. And so th- right. th- there is a, a there's a lot of concern about AI and things like this. Uh, and obviously, if anyone's going to do it with this approach, I think that Elon Musk would be one of the few people who possibly could do it. Um, but we, we we will track these developments and and whatnot. Um, to make sure that uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of things like this that that come out over the next few years that are technological developments. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't even know how to use my phone completely. So no, no, uh, l- let alone uh, talk yeah. about this. And, and well, let me just say, people but, are not but, disciplined enough. People are not disciplined enough to use a purely neural link to uh, do things. They'll like. Think about ordering pizza three or four times and all of a sudden they'll get three or four pizzas and it'll be like, okay, maybe this is not so useful. I, I think that, that, you know, it's just one of these things where Elon Musk is an incredible engineer and, you know, this kind of science has gone past the uh, discovery phase into the, the applied sciences phase, which is what Elon Musk does best. And, you know, medical ethics are designed to stop bad actors in these kind of spaces. Now, does that mean that it works all the time? Gosh, no. Look at Theranos, right? The, the Theranos, right. the Silicon Valley startup that swindled every major Republican from Rupert Murdoch on down to, you know, Mad Dog Mattis and George Schultz and uh, so many, so many wealthy, wealthy uh, donors. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of checks and balances that stop him from doing the worst of the worst. And if those things are discovered, I mean, look what happened to the doctor in China who, uh, you know, made some designer children that had HIV resistance using a CRISPR tool. Uh, even the Chinese government <laughs> imprisoned him for several years for the unethical practice of medicine. Right. Right. So, you know, well, here's I, I want to move on from this topic, though, because I feel okay. like we've discussed Elon quite a lot. Kristen, thank you yeah. so much for your call in. Um, we've got a couple of uh, of uh, videos here, right? Don't we? I think we've got like two more videos uh, left that, uh, you know, we, we haven't gotten to. And, oh, it's your favorite person. Scott, how happy were you when you woke up and flipped on Twitter and saw that Marge was trending? Specifically, Marge. Oh well, you know, I always get excited when whenever one of my best friends, Marjorie Taylor Green, is online and and yapping away. Um, so uh, you know, we we have a, a few videos we want to play. One of them, are, are you going to start with the testimony? She had testified on Friday, and uh, we covered the testimony, obviously. And during she, the fair, we had, the fair- yeah, here we go. We tracked about three different times. Um, that she had actually lied under oath. This is one of the main ones. Is it fair to say, Representative Green, that from election night of 2020 until January 6, 2021, your personal opinion and your wish was that Congress not certify Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 election? Uh, No, that's not accurate. Okay, so that's, that's her saying that it's not accurate that she wanted to overturn the election, that she didn't want to decertify or uh, not certify Joe Biden, which is obviously a lie. 
Now, that's not something that's as provable as other lies that she she had about Speaker Pelosi, where she said she never threatened her, never said that, you know, any of the threats that were alleged. And obviously she was on video for that. Now, um, some of the videos, I, I don't know why no one else in the world decided to investigate, but Grant, myself, and the Democratic Coalition decided to investigate Marjorie Taylor Greene right after January 6th, especially because I lived down the street from the Capitol. I was outside the Capitol the morning of. I decided uh, it, may, it may not be best to go inside the Capitol, but it, it didn't look that bad at that time. I'm glad that I did not go anywhere near there for the rest of the day, um, and obviously it was a chaotic day. But the night before, um, if you could do the, the January 6th, we had found a video of her in front of the Capitol building the night before January 6th. This is January 5th. Tomorrow, we're prepared to object to the stolen Electoral College votes. President Trump was reelected for four more years. Tomorrow is a very important day in America's history. We can't allow our integrity of our elections to be stolen. We must object to this vote. So let's get ready to fight for fight for America tomorrow. She's smiling and laughing at the end of that, but it's so creepy now looking back at that. And I believe six police officers who are dead um, and one civilian, you know, looking back, that's just horrific. Um, And one of the most important videos we dug up, we we dug up that video um, just as an FYI. But we uh, also dug up this video, and this is one of the most important videos I've ever dug up. It is Marjorie Taylor Greene in front of the White House. Just finished with our meetings here at the White House this afternoon. We had a a great planning session for our January 6th objection. We aren't going to let this election be stolen by Joe Biden and the Democrats. President Trump won by a landslide. Call your House reps. Call your senators from your states. We've got to make sure they're on board, and we already have a lot of people engaged. Okay, stay tuned. I mean, stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. This is late December outside of the Oval Office at the White House. She walks down the steps and says this statement that was planned. She organizes with other people. She was the only non-member of Congress that was there. She was there with other members of Congress. She was there with senior White House staff. She she was there with non-senior White House staff, as in probably Michael Flynn and his brother. Um, So we're talking about these planning meetings. And in these you know, whether or not, let's keep in mind that whether or not they planned on them to be violent, and we know that some of them did plan on them to be violent, um, it, it doesn't matter because it became violent and people died. And just as any other event organizer and funder would get charged with crimes, they should be as well. Um, so, Grant, what do you, <laughs> what do you, I, I would, I would just say, just for me, in regards to her testimony, did you get to see a lot of the testimony? I think you were. You you were not able to see everything, right? I, I mean, I saw about uh, maybe fifteen to twenty percent of it. Um, that's enough. You that's a, you, you saw exactly. I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't see. I I don't know. I don't remember. I don't recall. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that you know she didn't say no. She just said she didn't recall. Right. And right. saying no would open the door to worse things. But saying I don't recall really allows whoever is finding the facts to make a decision against her and say, well, you don't remember, but there's all this other evidence. So you didn't contradict it. Um, I think that actually Georgia Secretary of State Brian Raffensperger gets to make the decision, doesn't he? Uh, oh, Brad Raffensperger? Uh, he, he does get to – Yeah, yeah. So the judge has to recommend based on the evidence what – uh, or as if she violated the 14th Amendment or not. So that decision will be made. But it is Raffensperger who actually makes that eventual decision, which is funny enough because she's already attacking him. Um, and at, at that point, she can appeal, but there's not much precedent for this, not in the modern era. Um, so this is a, a new line of, of, of attack, and it's a rightful line of attack. Keep in mind that this is another person that we're going to want to speak under oath, um, a person that's chief of staff resigned um, not a, a while back. I'm not sure if it, it hit under the radar, right? We, we blimped it up. We, we made it a spotlight, but um, it's something that, that kind of hit under the radar. And I always wondered like why, because nobody just quits a chief job. No one, no one. 
No one ever quits a chief job. It is one of the toughest jobs to get. You know, you have a few hundred members of Congress on the Republican side, a few hundred members of Congress on the Democratic side, like, and you have one chief of staff. Okay, so like, it, it's it's one of the toughest jobs in the world to get. So you're not just going to quit that job, especially for a person who's a perennial candidate, where, or you, they're going to win every election, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Primary, unless they're primary. So. Um, I, I just, you know, I'm so sick of her being in Congress and her being in public life. But I am thankful for you, Grant, because of you, we helped push the uh, expulsion of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, which led to Representative Jimmy Gomez, who we inter- interviewed on the uh, Dworkin Report podcast. Uh, and, and he introduced the bill to remove her from committees, which they did. So it led to something. We knew that Republicans probably wouldn't be on board with expulsion, but it did lead to her removal from committees, and she, she she's still not serving on those to this day, and she won't be serving on those while Democrats are in power. So that is a, a great blessing that we, we did get out of that. Um, so there are repercussions for some of these people. They're just not big enough, you know? They're just not big enough, and, and they need to be arrested. I, I, I don't know how many times we have to say it, um, but... Uh, you know, I, I don't again, I, I'll I'll say that I'll grade Marjorie Taylor Greene incomplete because um, there's no complete thoughts that she actually had during that entire testimony. Uh, and I don't think she was thinking things through before she was sworn into Congress, because when she was sworn in, she was already defying that oath. Um, so Grant, last grade of the night, Marjorie Taylor Greene. What do you think? Uh, I give her an F for Marcus Flowers, who has outraised her in the campaign. Oh. I mean, that is – that's almost unheard of. I mean, especially in a very, very red state. Obviously, you know, without digging into the FEC records, I'm imagining that a lot of Marcus Flowers' donations are coming from outside the district, but so is Marjorie Taylor Green. She's not from northern Georgia. She's from Atlanta and moved up there because it's a very red seat. So I, I, I just – I got to tell you, man um, – I'm really cheering for the Georgia Secretary of State to to disqualify her, but I'm concerned because you know, if he gets uh, if he loses his primary, then the person that would replace him would be infinitely worse. If Democrats don't band together and completely like just crowd every ballot box in Georgia and make sure that we get a Democratic Secretary of State and a Democratic uh, governor. But it's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. There are headwinds. Democrats are facing them. You're writing about them for Newsweek this week. Congratulations. Awesome stuff. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's, we're going to be talking about that. Everybody needs to keep knocking doors, keep making calls, keep writing postcards to get Democrats to vote this election. Like, do everything you can. Do everything you can to get Democrats out to vote to get independents to vote for Democrats, to get Republicans to vote for Democrats, to vote for the pro-democracy party. And uh, that'll be the basis of my op-ed that I'll release in the next 24 hours through Newsweek. Ooh, it's my turn. So I get to talk about all the fun things that I'm up to, right? Absolutely. uh, Everybody, in case you missed it, I'm the executive editor of Occupy Democrats, but I took over as the editor-in-chief about two months ago. And so I'm really putting a lot of time into that. I'd love it if you guys read the articles. And I'm doing a brand new show, a video podcast on the Occupy Democrats network, which is called America Speaks by Occupy Democrats. It's the first social town hall uh, where you can ask questions of our elected officials. You can do video questions on there. How exciting. Uh, It's not quite as polished and clean. I mean, it, it does come out really nice, but it's not like this. Uh, beautifully packaged uh, app in your phone like Colin. Uh, but it is very, very exciting. Our first guest was Nikki Freed last night, and we are working on booking some more amazing, amazing guests for the America Speaks by Occupy Democrats Town Hall series. And I'll just leave you with this. I've got a really big Florida story coming, and it's about the executive branch. And I'm just really excited. I've been wanting to publish this for six months, and I think that I've got finally got uh, what I need going on to to do this. So, uh, guys, it's it's about to get really crazy. Um, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, you know, we're gonna start doing. I, I think we're gonna keep doing uh, Wednesdays at eight o'clock for for a little while. Check it. You know, if that's gonna be our spot. Uh, we have moved around a little bit, 
So uh, I just ask that you subscribe to the report card right now before you take off, uh, if you haven't subscribed already. And that way you'll get notified when uh, we schedule the next show and when it's time to go live. And, you know, I'm giving all of you guys an A for effort for sticking around. You guys are diehards. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening to the show tonight. Thanks again, guys. And you're listening to The Report Card. 